your devotion to the word of God's grace. Especially all of you around the world on the networks, different platforms, different time zones. You're able to still find out time to commit to the word of God. It's not because you're jobless. It's because the word of God, is it's, it means everything to you. And it gives me great pleasure to be able to spend this time with you studying. All our house centers, we're so glad that all of you are dedicated and committed to the world. And all our campuses around the world. Hey, do, do me one favor tonight. Make sure you invite somebody to be a part of the service. Tag some people, share the videos on your platforms. Let's just get the word to everybody that we can reach out to today. Those of you on television, encourage more people to hook up to the service. Praise the Lord. Now, the next thing I want to talk about before we start teaching is that in the past few days or weeks, I've been talking about the misunderstood God. There are actually two books I'll recommend for you from where a lot of those teachings came from. This one is Revelation Knowledge, Knowing God in Christ. Revelation Knowledge, Knowing God in Christ. Very powerful book. You know, in this book, you will find things like how the Father reveals the Son. Jesus, the revelation of the Father, renewing the mind, sound doctrine, and how to identify it, the apostles' doctrine. The accurate, precise, exact knowledge of God is in Christ, and in Christ is God's greatest gift to man, and the believer's greatest need. Spiritual growth becomes possible in the absence, or becomes impossible in the absence of this precision of God in Christ. This is a very powerful book. You, you want to make sure you get this. And let me encourage you. Those of you that have people that are struggling with this message, just get a copy of this book and just tell them to read. This will open up a lot of people to the truth that is in Jesus. You know, when the heart shall turn from Moses to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So knowing God in Christ will damage any religious veil in the mind of anybody. You can order for the physical copies from our office by shooting a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com or you can order for the soft copies on Amazon, Amazon Kindle, Dr. Abel Damina. Revelation knowledge, knowing God in Christ. You can order for yourself, you can buy for so many people, just sow it into somebody's life as an investment of eternity in their lives. Very powerful material. The second one I recommend for you is the nature of God revealed in Christ. The nature of God revealed in Christ. Also part of what I've been teaching in the course of this series. Who created sin? Does God really care about man? Why does God seem to allow bad things happen to good people? Why did God create evil if he does not want evil for man? And the Bible is full of contradictions. Is God a God of multiple natures? Does God really kill and make alive? Very powerful book. I recommend it for you both on Amazon. You can get it and you can also order from our office. And like I said, there are two more books that I've written in the course of this lockdown. One is The Last Days. And the other one is What Jesus Thought About Material Wealth. Those two books should be ready by next week or so. And I recommend that all of you should grab copies. Either have copies from our office or Amazon Kindle. All right? Let me get that out of the way. But it's important to get that information across to other people. Let's get in the word. Grab your Bible, your notebook, and your pen, and you can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we get into the study of God's word today. We are still on the misunderstood God, knowing God in Christ. You know, one of the reasons God can be so easily discredited is because people don't know God by his word. 
people don't know God by his word. Many people, the only God they know is what has been told them or based on their experiences, their visions, and their dreams. And some other people is based on what they have been taught over the years, which they themselves did not painstakingly check if it agrees with the context of the scriptures. People who create their understanding of the nature and character of God based only on the Old Testament usually don't end up with a full and accurate picture of God. Because the Old Testament, it's a partial revelation of God. And that is why we said the Old Testament must be explained. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. And that from a child that was known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That the holy scriptures has a message of salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So we have said that faith in Christ unlocks the Old Testament or faith in Christ lightens up the Old Testament. So the Old Testament must be explained. Verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine there is the word explanation. Scripture refers to Genesis to Malachi. All scripture, Genesis to Malachi. It is profitable only when it is explained. So the Old Testament must be explained. You can't just take the Old Testament hook, line, and sinker. That is why the New Testament is the revelation of the Old Testament. The Bible is one book. The New Testament unveils the Old Testament. And it's important for you to know that the New Testament is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament is from Romans, the epistles. That is where the revelation of the mystery, which is the Old Testament, is. So the New Testament is the explanation of the Old Testament. So when we say the Old Testament must be explained, what we are saying is you must rely on the epistles to unpack and unravel the mystery that is in the Old Testament. Because the epistles are the rightly divided word of truth. Or the epistles is the accurate, precise revelation of God in Christ. Now, please, that's very important. The book of James, we want to do some interrogation tonight. The book of James, chapter 1, verse 20. James, chapter 1, verse 20. For the wrath of man, underline the word wrath of man. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. For the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. Now, why did he say that? Why did he say the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God? Because of verse 19. Look at verse 19 of that same context. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Please, that's very important. Then he now says, the wrath of man walketh not the righteousness of God. So we have something called the wrath of man. And we want to examine God's character or we want to examine God's response to someone who commits sin. 
How does God respond to somebody who commits sin? Some people, no matter how much of teaching we give to them, you will still find them struggling with an idea of a God that is angry or a God that is full of wrath. And, uh, you know, some people, the only problem they have is that they do not believe in Jesus. They do not believe in Jesus. And other people, their problem is they are yet to accept that Jesus is God. They are yet to accept and believe that Jesus is God. Remember, yesterday we saw that what hid revelation knowledge from people is unbelief. We also saw that what made people not to know God is unbelief. Because unbelief is hardness of heart. And when a man's heart is hardened, he doesn't believe. And when a man does not believe in the gospel, he cannot have revelation knowledge of God. Please, that's very important. So that is why it's important to pay attention to the word of God. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 7. 1 John chapter 4 verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Next verse, verse 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. When you look at the love of God in scripture, it is mentioned specifically in the epistles. From the pre-epistle ministry of Jesus in the four gospels, you will find the love of God also mentioned. And many times when we read or study things like love, we never follow the flow of that teaching of love. Like we say God is love. So you look at a typical relationship between man and a woman or between a friend and a friend. And how they benefit from one another. And then you conclude that is what the love of God means. But if you read the meaning of God's love in 1 John chapter 4 verse 8. And we said love is of God or God is love. Then you look at the object of the love of God. Because everywhere you see the word love of God it always have an object. You will find out that the love of God is always demonstrated in a specific way. The love of God is always demonstrated in a specific way. When Jesus mentioned the love of God, he puts it this way. John chapter 3 verse 16. Pay attention. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But have everlasting life. When you read and see for, the word for has a preceding statement. So look at verse 14 of John chapter 3. Before for God so love, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must also, so must the son of man be lifted up. Verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But have eternal life. Then after that, he now says, for God so loved the world. So that statement simply means that Jesus will become sin offering. Because Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness was to demonstrate substitution. That is, Jesus took my place so I can take his place. So when he was lifted up on the pole, he was talking about his sacrificial work. He was talking about his sacrificial work. That is... You have done wrong and someone else will take your place. 
And then when you look on him, you will leave. That is what happened with Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. So John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. Look at John 3, verse 17. John chapter 3, verse number 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But that the world through him might be saved. For God so loved the world that God is not condemning the world. So God's love always has a focus. God's love always has a focus. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. But God commendeth his love toward us. But God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. He puts it like that. In that while we were yet sinners, the word sinners in the Greek translation implies rebellion. Somebody who is perpetually doing wrong. Rebellion. While we were yet in a state, a perpetual state of doing wrong. So we have seen that the love of God is in ways, it's described in John chapter 3 and in Romans chapter 5. And in both occasions, the love of God is taught and demonstrated as Jesus' sacrifice. The love of God is taught and demonstrated as the sacrifice of Jesus for sin. Remember, the sacrifice of Jesus is for sinners. The sacrifice of Jesus is for sinners. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse number 16. 1 John chapter 3 verse number 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So he lets you know what he means by the love of God. He lets you know what he means by the love of God. So when he says God is love, he tells you exactly what he is saying. You will discover that the love of God always refers to the death of Jesus. You will discover that the love of God always refers to the death of Jesus. So hardly will you discover hardly will you discover that the love of God is for anything else other than for sinners. That love is always about men in sin. That love is always about men in sin who are sinners. So the love of God is for sinners. The love of God is for sinners. It's not a poetic love. It's not a poetic love. It's not a feeling. The love of God is sacrifice for sinners. God demonstrated his love. How? How did he demonstrate his love? He sent his son to the cross. He shed the blood of his son. That is how he demonstrated his love. Every time you talk about the love and sacrifice of Jesus, 
you are referring to sinners and sin. Does it make sense for you to say that God loves sinners? Hmm? Yes. Sometimes people with zeal will say, God loves you. He died for you. Change your ways. You didn't hear that. Out of zeal, sometimes you will hear a preacher say, God loves you. He died for you. Change your ways. That's a contradiction. <laughs> because if you could change your way, then why will he have to die? God loves you the way you are. In that, while you were yet a sinner, God's love for you is not based on performance. God loves you the way you are. But he doesn't love you for you to remain the way you are. God loves you the way you are. But he doesn't love you for you to remain the way you are. Paul puts it like this. While we were yet perpetually in a state of sin, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning that the state where we were in, God loved us, was a state of permanent rebellion. Isaiah puts it like this in Isaiah 53, verse number 6. Isaiah 53, verse number 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So God loves sinners. God loves sinners. There's one event that, that the only proof of God's love. Only one event. And that is the sacrificial work of Christ. God loves me. He demonstrated or showed it on the cross. Do you know why you are alive today? You will hear some people say that. Do you know why you are alive today? It's because God loves you. What? So those that died, God doesn't love them. Such statements are not statements that come with a lot of understanding. They are statements born out of a lack of understanding. Say, do you know why you are alive today? It's because God loves you. So what about those who die? Doesn't God love them? God loves them. He loves them too. So we're going to deal with some things here that will open up God's character and help you understand certain things in scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. Pay attention. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. He has committed unto us the world word of reconciliation. He is not counting their sins. He is not counting their sins against them. Why? Because of Jesus' death. Look at First John chapter 2 verse 1. First John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. Give me verse 2 of First John. Verse 2. First John chapter 2 verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the propitiation for the sins of the whole world. People say things like this. 
someone does wrong to them and the person who does wrong to them gets, you know, falls sick. And then you hear them say, very good. You think you can escape the judgment of God or someone leaves a church and for leaving the church, he loses his job. You will hear the pastor say, you are, your punishment is just starting. You think you can try God, you know, and uh, someone like that, you know, you just wonder what is he preaching? Because maybe brother Paul should have said to Agrippa, God is going to discipline you and teach you a lesson. You know, the impression people have about God is because they do not take God at his word. They have failed to understand God within the confines of his word. They are allowing rumors and people's impressions form their opinion of a God that only exists in the figment of their imagination. So you will discover all the evil wishes and curses have no scriptures in the epistles. All the evil wishes and curses have no scriptures in the epistles. In Luke chapter 9 verse 51 to 53 or 55, Jesus turned to those guys who wanted to command fire to come down from heaven. He turned to them and he rebuked them. And he said to them, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. You know not what manner of spirit you are of. That means every time you curse people or speak evil over people and it happens, it is not the spirit of God. That's why Jesus would say, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Then Jesus added, for the son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. The son of man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. So let me repeat again. Have faith in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. That Jesus is God. He rebuked them. Even though they made reference to Elijah. He rebuked them. Meaning, if Jesus was there when Elijah was commanding fire down, he would have rebuked Elijah because that is not the spirit of God. He said to them, you know not what manner of spirit you are of. Let's look at a few scriptures. Second Chronicles chapter 19 verse 10. And let's examine this thing about the wrath of God. Second Chronicles chapter 19 verse 10. And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, you shall even warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. And so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren, this do, and you shall not trespass. Wrath. So we find an exactly, example of exactly what the wrath of God sounded like. Do this, do this, so that the wrath of God does not come on you and on your brethren. In other words, in the Old Testament, God's wrath was against sin as it were. Please listen carefully. In the Old Testament, God's wrath was against sin as it were. Look at Psalm 78 verse 58. We will explain it. Psalm 78 verse 58. For they provoked him to anger with their high places. And moved him to jealousy with their graven images. Next verse. When God had this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. Next verse. So that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent which he placed 
among men. Numbers 16.31 Numbers 16.31 And it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them. The ground clave asunder that was under them. Next verse. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertain unto Korah and all their goods. This is the sons of Korah. Why did the ground open and swallow them? Look at verse 30. Numbers 16 verse 30 for clarity. But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that appertain unto them and they go down quick into the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So they provoke the Lord's wrath and he punished them. That's the impression you get in that verse of scripture. So every time you read the wrath of God in the Old Testament, it is not a mood. It is not an emotion. It is actually judgment. It is not a mood. It is not an emotion. It is actually judgment. You know, it's not a mood like I'm angry with you. No. Is a judgment against sin. The, uh, the wrath of God in the Old Testament is a judgment against sin. Look at Matthew 18.34. Jesus preaching the same thing and you won't have a problem with that because you know that Jesus was under the law. So he operated at that level as at that time. Matthew 18.34 and 35. And his Lord was wroth. And delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Next verse. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If you forgive from your heart. If you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Alright. Now look at Psalm 90 verse 7. Psalms chapter 90 verse 7. For we are consumed by thine anger. And by thy wrath are we troubled. Next verse. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee. Our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Next verse. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Look at me again. Every time you read about the wrath of God or the anger of God in the Old Testament, it is always toward sin. When people do wrong, then you will see the wrath of God. Every time they do wrong. So the wrath of God, as explained in the Old Testament, looks like an action against sin. It looks like an action against sin. Please listen carefully. That God's wrath against sin, if you observe, was only in the Old Testament. It was only in the Old Testament. That is, when people commit sin and you see God's wrath, you will only find that in the Old Testament. 
In fact, you will find a lot of a lot of it all over the Old Testament. It's actually everywhere. God's wrath was always when people commit sin in the Old Testament. Now, the Old Testament, apart from it being a book that measures on the law, the Old Testament, apart from it being a book that measures on the law, is also a book that says very little about God. You don't find much information about God in the Old Testament. And you also don't find much information about Satan in the Old Testament. So two personalities were not well known in the Old Testament. God and Satan. The Old Testament is called the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament is called the Holy Scriptures. And the strength of the Old Testament, the strength of the Old Testament is the prophecies concerning Jesus Christ. The sufferings of Christ and the glory that you follow. You can read that further in your personal study. Luke 24, 25 to 27. Luke 24, 25 to 27. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 to 12. Jesus in John 5, 39 spoke concerning the Old Testament. He said to the Jews, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Jesus said, when you see him, you have seen the father. So Jesus is the father revealed. Yesterday we took time and said that Jesus gave us a definition of the father's terms. And we also said that Jesus explains God. That Jesus is God explaining himself. That if you miss Jesus, you miss God. That to know God, you must know Jesus. Because Jesus is God. Please stay with me. Jesus is God. So Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus is the Father revealing himself. So he came in humanity so he can redefine the Father in the understanding of men. So we have, said, we have studied that a lot. And we know that very clearly in the course of this teaching. Stay with me. Stay with me. Genesis chapter 2 verse 16. Pay attention. Genesis chapter 2 verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every three of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Next verse. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. God says to Adam, of every three of the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Did you observe, please stay with me. Did you observe that God's statement was not a reaction? God's statement was not reactionary. And that statement was not a reaction. He said, the day you eat of it, 
The day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. Notice he didn't say, I will kill you. He said, the day you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. So that statement is the love of God in demonstration. That statement is the love of God in demonstration. He didn't say, I will kill you. We may not know the import of that until we go to the Pauline revelation. So look at how brother Paul will say to us. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For that all have sinned. So sin entered into the world and death by sin. Not death by God. Death by sin. Not death by God. So what was God revealing to Adam? God was revealing to Adam a warning as a loving father. He was lavishing his love on Adam. He says to Adam, the day you eat it, you will surely die. That wasn't a reaction. Nothing had happened at that point in time. God was not reacting to something Adam had done. Nothing had happened. God was giving Adam an advanced information in love that will protect him from certain repercussions. And he says to him, see, this, the day you eat of this one, you will surely die. The day you eat of this one, you will surely die. Remember, there was no death in existence as at this time. There was no death in existence as at this time. But God was already done with creation. That means God never created what brought death to man. God never created what brought death to man. Look at Genesis 1.31. Let's see what God created. Genesis 1.31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day and the evening and the morning were the sixth day so everything God created was good but there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that came from the ground which is actually seen Look at the way brother James will explain that to us. James 1.13 James chapter 1 verse 13 Let no man say when he's tempted I am tempted of God. For God cannot for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempted he any man. Next verse. But every man is tempted Every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Next verse, 15 now, listen carefully. 
Then when laws had conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Next verse, 16. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Next verse. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights. With whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Bible lets us know that it's by the law you have the knowledge of sin. And we will go into that a bit later. But don't forget that it is the law that brings the knowledge of sin. So you can see that the judgment of sin was consequential. The judgment of sin was consequential. The judgment of sin was not a reaction. The judgment of sin was consequential. Please stay with me. God does not react. God does not react. God never reacted. If he reacted, then he wasn't God. It means something took God by surprise. God never reacts. God always proacts. Because he is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. Nothing takes him by surprise. He sees the end from the beginning and sees the beginning from the end. He never reacts. That is why he is God. Look at Isaiah chapter 46 verse 10. Isaiah 46 verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient the things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. God never reacts. God only reveals. God never reacts. God only reveals. Look at Revelation chapter 22 verse 13. Revelation chapter 22 verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. God never reacts. Matthew 13, 35. Matthew 13, 35. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. No reaction. It was there before the world began, or it was there when the world was founded. Things kept secret. It's not a reaction. It is a it is it is a proaction. Look at John seventeen twenty four, John chapter seventeen verse twenty four. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me. Before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. God never reacts. God never reacts. He proacts. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. According as he has chosen us in him. 
before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. God does not react. God proacts. Look at First Peter chapter 1 verse 20. First Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. He was foreordained. God does not react. Please stay with me. Revelation 13 verse 8. Revelation 13 verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Look at me everybody. So in the plan of God, even before Adam sinned, before there was an Adam, in the plan of God, Jesus will have died. Whether Adam sinned or not, Jesus' death was not because of Adam's sin. Jesus' death was the plan. If Jesus died because of Adam's sin, it will be God reacting. God never reacts. He is all-knowing. So before the foundation of the world, the plan was that Jesus will die. Because God's plan was that the only way sons will be born to the kingdom is by the death, burial, and resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus is the reproductive system of God. That is God's plan before Adam was ever created that that is how sons will be born. Whether Adam sinned or not, that was the plan. It's just that within that plan, the sin of Adam was accommodated in the provisions of the plan of God ahead of time. So the, the death of Jesus was not because of Adam's sin. It was the plan. Because God never reacts. Stay with me. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 10. And thou Lord in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of thy hands. God laid the foundation of the earth. Nothing takes God by surprise. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. So the works were not a reaction. The works were a pro-action. The death of Jesus was not a reaction. The death of Jesus was a pro-action. You see that? The lamb slain was a pro-action. Look at Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. He suffered in the plan of God. It was there since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
by the sacrifice of himself. Look at Titus chapter 1 verse 2. God never reacts. Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Eternal life was not God's reaction to Adam's sin. Eternal life was God's promise before Adam ever came. That God's promise to man is life. That God's plan for man is life. Before there was any sin. Before there was any sin which brought death. God's promise was life. Before the world began. So God does not react. God proacts. Because once you think of a reactionary God. It means something took him by surprise. He's trying to catch up. Then that will mean that God does not know everything. That will mean that God is limited in knowledge. But God is all knowing. God is all seeing. He sees the end from the beginning. And the beginning from the end. And in his foreknowledge. In his foreknowledge. In his foreknowledge. He predestinated that children will only be born in Christ. In his foreknowledge, he predestinated that children will be born in Christ. So that is why you cannot be a child of God if you are not in Christ. That was the plan before the foundation of the world. So when Adam was created, life was offered Adam. And Adam rejected the offer. So Adam never was the son of God. Adam never was created to be a son of God. He was created innocent like all of us. And a choice was given to him like a choice is given to all of us via the preaching of the gospel. Via the preaching of the gospel. So now what we are dealing with here is we are answering what happens when a Christian sins. And I will soon get there. What does God do when a Christian sins? Some people will say God is angry. And some other people who have had the grace message will say, God has forgiven ahead of time. Well, let's look at the word anger. Because anger gives us an idea that God reacts. Anger gives us an idea of a reactionary God. Remember, when we read some scriptures and, you know, I, I, I laughed at them. Look at those scriptures, for example. Exodus chapter 4 verse 24. Exodus chapter 4 verse So you see the limitation of men's understanding. And it came to pass by the way in the inn that the Lord met him, talking of Moses, and sought to kill him. How can an all-knowing God be looking for how to kill and sought to kill him? That is, God was looking for how he will kill Moses. God. See that? Look at the limitation of their understanding of God. Let me give you another one. Genesis 18.20. That is why the Old Testament must be explained. Genesis 18.20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. Next verse. I will go down now and see 
whether they have done all together according to the cry of it which is come unto me and if not I will know look at the next verse and the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom but Abraham stood yet before the Lord so God doesn't know God now say it is when I go down that I will know whether they will do or not so that gives you an impression of a God that doesn't know everything that God has to wait for action to react. And that is not a true picture of God. So again, the Old Testament must be explained in the light of Christ. Are you aware that anger is a sin? Are you aware that anger is a sin? We also discover that God is not a jealous God. Because jealousy is a sin. Jealousy is a work of the flesh. Galatians 5.20. Stay with me. Galatians chapter 5 verse 20. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, underline wrath, underline wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. All of these are works of the flesh. So there is wrath there or anger. Alright? A passion. The Greek word fermo. Fermo in the Greek. A passion or an action reacting to something. Anger is a reaction to an action. He says that the works of the flesh are manifest and one of them is wrath. Wrath is where you find anger in. Reacting to someone's action. He calls it works of the flesh. They are works of the man who are not born again. Because the born again man doesn't have works of the flesh. The born again man has fruit of the spirit. Because the born again man is born of the spirit. Works of the flesh are for the man that is not born again. Who is called actually the child of the devil. In John 8 44. Jesus said you of your father the devil. And the works of your father you will do. For he was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie. He speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of liars. Then look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3. Ephesians chapter 2. And you are quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2. Wherein in time past, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience. Next verse. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Fulfilling the lost in the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we are by nature the children of wrath. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Even as others. Children of wrath. Look at Ephesians 4.31. Children of disobedience are children of wrath by nature. Ephesians 4.31 Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Put it away. Put away wrath. Put away anger. So wrath and anger. He just said put wrath and anger away. Look at Romans chapter 10 verse 19. The scripture that confuses many people. Romans chapter 10. Did I say 10? Chapter 1 verse 19. Sorry. Romans chapter 1 verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God for God has showed it unto them. Next verse. Give me from verse 18 for, 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 for pretext. For the wrath of God is revealed. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Look at verse 21. Verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. Alright? Move to Romans chapter 10 verse 19 now. Romans Chapter 10 verse 19. But I say, did not Israel know first, Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Now look at verse 21 of Romans 10. But to Israel he saith all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. I have stretched forth my hand to a rebellious people. So the wrath or anger of God against people that did wrong. That's the way it was in the Old Testament. It was against people that did wrong. So the anger of God was against the people who did wrong in the Old Testament. Look at Colossians 3 verse 8. Colossians 3 verse 8. But now you also put off all this anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put them away. Put off. Colossians 3.21. Pay attention. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged. Provoke not your children to anger. Look at Ephesians 4.26 Ephesians 4.26 Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Next verse. Neither give place to the devil. So he, 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 he connects rod to the devil. 
neither give place to the devil. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Anger reacting to anger. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger. Anger reacting to anger. So let's go back to that word wrath again. Stay with me. Go back to the word wrath. So we have seen that the word wrath and anger were not read in a positive light. Why will God ask us to put away anger? Why? Because we have put on the new man. When you put on the new man, you put away anger. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24, you put on the new man. Ephesians 5.1 Be followers of God as their children. Walk in love. That means when I put away anger, I am imitating God. When I put away anger, I am imitating God. God's answer to wrath is forgiveness. So the opposite of wrath will be forgiveness. The only way sin can be forgiven is by death. So God became a man to die. God became a man to die. Wrath and anger are not painted in a good light. We were not told to get angry at sinners. He didn't say preachers must preach and make sinners cry. There's no place like that. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. The word wrath is the Greek word that describes anger. Femos. It means boiling passion. We have seen that in the Old Testament, God's wrath was against sin. When people sinned in the Old Testament, they saw the wrath of God. I have warned you about cross-testamental application. Please don't forget that. We have also seen that the wrath of God against sin stopped in the Old Testament. You will not see the wrath of God against sin in the New Testament or in the epistles. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Stay with me. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners Christ died for us. Hebrews 9.26 Hebrews 9.26 For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, had he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He has appeared at the end of the times. Hebrews 1.1 at the end of the Old Testament. At the end of the times. The Old Testament times. He had appeared 
to put away sin. Verse 27 of Hebrews 9. As it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment, the judgment. Next verse. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Without sin unto salvation. So this statement is for the once and for all judgment of sin. So Jesus' death was to bear the wrath of sin. Not the wrath of God. Jesus' judgment was to bear the wrath of sin. Jesus' death was to bear the wrath of sin. What God told Adam in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Jesus bore that death. Jesus bore that death. He took on the judgment for sin. So God's wrath is no longer for people's sins. God's wrath is no longer for people's sins. So in the Old Testament, the people had a limited limited understanding. And I'm going to explain. Like somebody said, but God said, David cannot build a temple because his hands were full of blood. But it is David that prepared the money that Solomon used in building. And in the New Testament, Jesus never made reference to Solomon. He only made reference to David as regards the temple. You see that? You see that? It was David's money that was used to build a temple. And Jesus never made reference to Solomon in any way. Every time he talked about the temple, he made reference to David. And Jesus will sit on the throne of David forever. You see that? So an understanding is needed when we read the Old Testament. You must note the use of language. The Bible records the prophecies of David. See that? So it's important for you to realize that Jesus bears the the rot of sin. Jesus bears the rot of sin. In the new covenant, we see the wrath. And people read it with Old Testament gloves. People read it with Old Testament glasses. Wrath of God. Wrath of God. Come with me to Romans. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 now. For the wrath of God is revealed. When you see the word for. It means it's a continuation of what we are talking about. So for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. To understand that, you have to read chapter 2 and chapter 3. Now look at chapter 3 for that wrath and ungodliness. Romans 3.19 Romans 3.19 Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. 20 Therefore, 
by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In Romans 1.28, he was talking about God's wrath before the death of Jesus. The wrath of God before the death of Jesus. That is the state of man before Jesus died. The state of man. Look at Romans 4.15 for more clarity. Romans 4.15 Because the law worketh wrath. Underline that. So the so-called wrath of God in the Old Testament was the law. The law worketh wrath. Put it up again for me. Romans 4.15 Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is there is no transgression. So the law works wrath. Why did we find so much of the wrath of God in the Old Testament? Because the law worked wrath. That explains to you the Old Testament. The law had the knowledge of sin. It worked wrath. Then Jesus came and he bears the sins for everybody. I love the way John puts it. John 1 29. John 1 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The sin of the world. The, the, the ticket away the sin of the world. That is the complete sin of the world. Now, of course, you know that uh, complete will mean as many as come into the world. That means when John said it, the whole world was not complete. So that lamb will take away the sin of those that were there, the sin of those that will come after and come after, because it has to be the whole world and everybody in it. So if the wrath of God is against sin, Jesus takes the rod of God. Jesus takes the rod of God. Stay with me. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. 1 John chapter 2 verse 2. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. For the sins of the whole world which is past, present and future. So Jesus death for sin is not sins specific. It's sins sin. Sin. He died for sin. The law worketh wrath. The law worketh wrath. Romans 4.15 The law worketh wrath. And the wrath of God is revealed. Look at that Romans 1.18 again. The wrath of God for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Then look at the post text, verse 20. What it means there, verse 20. 
For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuses. 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Next verse. Pay attention. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Next verse. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. 24. Wherefore God also, God also gave them up to uncleanness. That's the rot there. God gave them up to uncleanness through the loss of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at 26 so that you get clarity. 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That is the wrath there. The wrath of God there is that God gave them up to their choice. To their choice. They rejected God, so God withdrew and gave them up to their choice. That is the rod that is revealed. Please stay with me. That is the rod. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 5. Romans chapter 5 verse 5. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Verse 6. 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. Who was the wrath of God revealed unto? The ungodly. Look at it in verse 18 of Romans 1. Again for clarity. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Against all ungodliness. Romans 5, 6. Against all, the wrath of God is against all ungodliness. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. So, who did Jesus die for? He died for the ungodly. So Romans 1.8. Is not a present tense participle. God. Is not revealing now. Is what he has done. By the death of Christ. Look at verse 7. I mean verse 7. Of Romans chapter 5. For scarcely. For a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man. Some will even dare to die. 8. But God commended his love toward us 
In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Next verse. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So, the death of Jesus brings salvation from wrath. The death of Jesus brings salvation from wrath. Look at Romans 9.22. Romans 9.22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. It's talking about Pharaoh and all those Old Testament people. Okay? The wrath of God. Old Testament again. Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19. Pay attention. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine. What he's simply saying is, let wrath go. I will take the vengeance. Saith the Lord. That is, I will bear the vengeance on your behalf. He's actually talking about forgiveness. He is saying, I am going to take the vengeance. It is mine. I will take it. He will be the one to bear the vengeance. So never a time will you see the wrath of God as God's action or reaction to people's sins. Never a time will you see the wrath of God as God's action or reaction to people's sins. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 again, verse 1 to 3. Pay attention. Ephesians 2 from verse 1. And you are the quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins. Next verse. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature, we were by nature, the children of wrath, even as others in time past. So the children of disobedience were called the children of wrath. The children of disobedience were referred to as the children of wrath. Ephesians 5, 6. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things, Cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Because of these things is the same thing is said in Ephesians. So the wrath is always children of disobedience. Children of disobedience are those who do not believe the gospel. Not those who sin. Those who do not believe the gospel. Jesus makes a distinction in Matthew 12, 31. Pay attention. 
Matthew 12, 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Next verse. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. It shall not be forgiven. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, simply put, when you come to the epistles, is the rejection of the gospel. It won't be forgiven now, it won't be forgiven after. A rejection of the gospel, or what the Bible calls the children of disobedience. So the wrath of God is not for sins. Jesus died for sins. Listen carefully. Nobody goes to hell because of sin. Seller. <laughs> Nobody goes to hell because of sin. People go to hell because of rejecting Jesus' sacrifice. People go to hell because of rejecting Jesus' sacrifice. Who has borne the rod for sin? Who has borne the rod for sin? So those people become the children of disobedience to the gospel or to accepting the sacrificial work of Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 10. Stay with me. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered, which delivered us from the rod to come. Which delivered us from the rod to come. In the epistles, the rod is futuristic. Because today is the day of salvation. There can be no wrath in the day of salvation. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. Today is the day of salvation. For he saith, I have had thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So Jesus delivered us from the rod to come. What is that rod? First Thessalonians 2.16. Pay attention. First Thessalonians 2.16. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved to fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. For the wrath is come upon them forever. What wrath? Second Thessalonians 1 7. Second Thessalonians 1 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Next verse, 8. 
in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The vengeance is for those that reject the gospel. So the wrath of God is man-made. The wrath of God is man-made. The wrath of God, listen carefully. If you miss this one, you shouldn't have come. The wrath of God is when a man presses a self-destruct button. The wrath of God is when a man presses a self-destruct button. It's man-made. It's actually unbelief. Jesus has brought salvation for sin. Rejecting that salvation is what evokes the wrath. The wrath is for unbelief. The wrath is for unbelief. The writer of Hebrews summarized the reason for the destruction in the wilderness. Talking about Israel in the wilderness. It was because of unbelief. Unbelief. Why? Because they did not obey. Unbelief. They did not believe the gospel of Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.9. Pay attention. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. For God had not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Who died for us? Look at me. To obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us? How were we delivered from wrath? By the death of Jesus. By the death of Jesus. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. Ay, 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 ay. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man Jesus or Christ Jesus. Next verse. Who gave himself a ransom for all. Who gave himself a ransom for all? Look at Hebrews 3.16. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, happy it, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. 17. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was he not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? 18. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. Next verse. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. Pay attention. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said. As I have sworn in my wrath. If they shall enter into rest. Although the works were finished. 
from the foundation of the world. Verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. So God's wrath in the Old Testament is not towards sin. It's not about sin. I mean in the New Testament, sorry. God's wrath in the New Testament is not towards sin. It's not about sin. Because Jesus has taken away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So whether believer or unbeliever, nobody is paying for sin. Let me repeat. Whether believer or unbeliever, nobody is paying for his sin. Do you mean God does nothing when you sin? No. I didn't say that. Listen carefully. I didn't say that. Follow me gradually. Follow, listen carefully. God's wrath was laid on Jesus. And he said, the children of disobedience are the children of wrath. We that believe have been delivered from wrath to come. Because we believe. So listen carefully, listen carefully. The wrath of God explained in the epistles is not due. It's at the end of the world. Because Jesus has taken away sins of the world by the sacrifice of himself. So look at Ephesians 2, 3. It is for the children of disobedience. Ephesians 2, 3. Among them also, we all had our conversation in time passing, the loss of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The children of wrath are the children of disobedience to the gospel. The children of wrath are the children of disobedience to the gospel. Look at Romans 1 5. Disobedience. Romans 1 5. By whom you have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. You receive grace. That is obedience to the faith. That is you have accepted the gospel. Look at Romans 6 17. Brother Paul again. Romans 6 17. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You are now obedient, meaning you have believed the gospel. Listen carefully. Jesus has taken away the rod for sins. So if a Christian commits sin, and he sees a retributive action from an unknown source, it is not God. It is not God. God's wrath for sin is on Jesus. God's response to man's sin is forgiveness. That's why he said, be like your heavenly father. Forgive men their trespasses. God's wrath is not for sins. Listen carefully. 
So, when a believer sins, will he receive the wrath of God? No. Listen carefully. When an unbeliever sins, will he receive the wrath of God? No. But listen. When a believer sins, will he be judged? Yes. Will he be judged? Yes. But it is not the wrath of God. He is not going to reap what he sows. That scripture in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, 7, 8, and 9 is about giving. It's on giving. It has nothing to do with actions. It's about giving. Sowing sparingly, reaping sparingly, sowing bountifully, generosity. When you are generous towards the gospel, it will bring a harvest of, of, of souls to the kingdom. It will bring a lot of good things to the kingdom. That's what he was talking about. And then he said, let us not be weary in well-doing. So he was dealing with giving. He wasn't dealing with the law of karma. There's nothing like the law of karma in scripture. It's not godly. It's demonic. He was encouraging believers to do good. When people pray for people to die, they are cooperating with Satan and assisting Satan to carry out his destructive work. Because Satan is the destroyer. Satan is the killer. Satan is the one that, that you know, destroys men. And Satan is an enemy of God. And sin and death, they are all enemies of God. And death is the last enemy that will be destroyed. So, the wrath of God is not God's response when someone sins. The wrath of God for sin has been laid on Jesus. The wrath of God for sin has been laid on Jesus. Jesus bore it. He took it on our behalf. I close with Romans. Glory to God. This is just the introduction. Sunday morning, first and second service, this is where I'm going to settle. This wrath of God, we will settle it finally, finally. And we will examine certain actions that look like wrath of God in the New Testament and we will clarify all of them. Sunday, first and second service. Give me Romans chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. Glory to God. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Look at me. If he's the one saving us from wrath, he is not the one that has the wrath. He can't be saving us from himself. <laughs> we shall be saved from wrath through him. Give me verse 10 now. Glory to God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more be reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We shall be saved by his life. Glory to God. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Now, just before I pray for you, somebody sent me a question and I'd love to answer the two of them. Sir, I just listened to your message. God and God alone preached five years ago. Did Adam have eternal life and then lost it? That was what I think I heard. And I love this person. I just love you for saying that's what you think you heard. Because that's not what I said. I remember what I preached in that conference. It was a tram in Lagos, Bishop Michael Conkos Church. 
Is that still your stance today, sir? No. It was not my stance then and it's not my stance now. Adam didn't have eternal life. Adam was created innocent. Then the gospel was presented to Adam by the figurative symbols of tree of life, which is Christ, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is man rejecting Christ. And Adam rejected the tree of life and went for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the fall. So Adam never had eternal life. Never. It was offered him in Christ. The tree of life symbolic of Christ. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness of men's heart and the darkness of men's heart could not comprehend it. So it is not eternal life first. Mm -mm. It is innocence. Then the gospel is presented. When you reject, you die. When you accept, you are now born into the kingdom of God. So that's, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. So it wasn't eternal. Once, if it was eternal life, you wouldn't have lost it. You wouldn't have fallen. There would have been no fall. It wasn't eternal life for us. So maybe you didn't understand the way it was explained. But that's, that was my stance then. That's my stance now. And I'm sure that's going to be my permanent stance because that's the position of God's word. Alright? Somebody else asking, thank you for opening my eyes to the truth. I started listening to your messages through Pastor Chris' reference in the course of his teaching. And now I know that the true test is practically. To me, it's a reality. All my agitations are gone. But perceive a new challenge. Perceive a new challenge, especially with my local church. They don't believe in my present persuasion concerning the character of God, and I'm a pastor. Should I teach this truth? Because just saying that God does not kill is brewing trouble already. Advise me, sir. I can't keep mute about what I know is truth. God bless you, sir. Don't keep quiet. But what you do is, don't preach it if you know it will cause trouble. Don't preach it on their pulpit. You can create an independent Bible study. And begin to teach it in your home. But don't preach it in the church. If the pastor is against it. So that you don't, you don't cause more problem than can be fixed. But you can start an independent Bible study in your house. Where you study Bible with people. And begin to share these truths. That's the position I have for you on that. And you must get ready. Because eventually they may kick you out of that church. Especially if they are not open to the truth of the gospel. That's my counsel. Sunday morning, 8 a.m. GMT plus 1, 11 a.m. GMT plus 1. The two services will be brutal because we're going to stay on this rough thing and we're going to clarify all the misconceptions because we are still dealing with knowing God in Christ. Stand on your feet. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every child. Revealed knowledge is granted you today. I pray that the revelation of this word grows big in your heart until nothing else matters. We decree that your heart turns to the Lord and the veil is taken away. Your heart has turned to the Lord. The veil of Moses is taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
But we all with open faces, beholding the glory of the Lord as in a mirror, are changed into that same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And I decree that tonight your people as they ponder on these truths, the eyes of your understanding is flooded with light. You are strengthened with might in the inner man by the spirit. Clarity comes, you're rooted and grounded and established in the truth as you have been taught in the name of Jesus. We rebuke sickness and disease right now. Satan, get your hands off of God's property body. Be healed in the name of Jesus. We stand in faith and we resist the devil. He flees right now. Father, we give you praise. Body, be healed. Be healed. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answer prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Oh, glory to God. I'm excited, people, I tell you. Now listen, July is by the corner. 30 days of glory will be on in July. The whole of July, I'll be preaching every day. Soteria season 7. Whether we are back to church or not, I will teach every day. Soteria season 7. You don't want to miss it. The adverts will soon be out. Mobilize the whole world. Let's feast in the word of his grace in July. Also, in July, we have the Power Bible School. This time around, it will be online Power Bible School for 30 days. It will be online this time around in July. So you have no excuse not to attend the Power Bible School. You don't have to travel down. You don't have to come and get a hotel to stay for a month. You don't have to fly down. You don't, You just stay in the comfort of your houses and you attend lectures, lectures upon lectures for one month. Glory. My goodness. You need to get people, pastors, get pastors, get church leaders, get church workers, get your friends, get every everybody mobilized to sign into the Bible school for one full month. We'll be covering many courses, teaching upon teaching upon teaching in July. And after the Bible school, we have 30 days of glory every evening, like teaching and teaching on the great salvation that Jesus has made available to us. The advert for Bible school will be on my Facebook page from tomorrow. And the advert for 30 days of glory will also be on my Facebook page within the week. And you help us share it and push it everywhere. Take it, put in WhatsApp groups. Go into pastors groups and drop it there. Pastors should come, let them hear and learn and ask questions so that we can equip and mobilize an army that will shake the world with the truth of the gospel. Listen carefully. The death of Jesus cannot be wasted. We must raise people to preach this gospel all over the bloomable planet. I'm excited, believe me. Listen to me carefully, everybody. When you give to this ministry, you enable us to do more for the kingdom globally. Your resources, your monies help us to give expression to the work of the ministry in people's lives around the world. Every time we teach, we give you the opportunity to honor the word of God. So I want to give you an opportunity to give an offering right now, everybody. Wherever you're watching, online, on television, on Facebook, YouTube, all, all over the world. Banking details are scrolling. I'd like you to grab an offering, lift it up. I want to pray over it today. And don't forget, Sunday is our special partnership and kingdom investment service. This Sunday at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. GMT plus one. 
Oh my goodness, I'm excited. Now lift your offerings up. Everybody in the house centers, campuses, online. I want to pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of giving. We give in faith. We give with joy. And we give with excitement. Oh, Father, we are grateful that our monies continues to make a difference in the advancement of the cause of Christ on the earth. That through our giving, souls are saved, lives are impacted. The word of the Lord is growing mightily from continent to continent and nation to nation all over the world. Thank you for the privilege to do this. We give in faith and we give with joy. Father, we thank you that our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. And I pray for everyone giving. Your needs are met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father. Great grace upon your people. Great grace upon every giver today. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. You always have all sufficiency in all things. You abound unto every good work. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says that amen like thunder. Glory to God. Amen. Listen to me, everybody. Sunday morning, 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our house centers, we live in the able hands of the house pastors. All our campuses, we live in the able hands of our coordinators and everybody else. We love you guys. Make sure you get yourself ready for Sunday as we get into the word of his grace. Bringing clarity on the misunderstood God. We love you guys. Looking forward to connect with you again on Sunday. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week and be blessed. Amen. Praise God forevermore.